Hello, and welcome to the PhD Life Raft podcast. I'm Emma Brzezinski, and today I am talking to the awesome Stephen Seagal. We are talking about moving from novice to expert on the PhD journey. We talk about going in circles. We talk about the gift of curiosity. And we also talk about trusting your own intuition. So I do hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, Stephen. Hi, Emma. Hi. It is lovely to have you with me here. Um, I am always so delighted when people sort of reach out and say, can I, you know, come and talk about a topic that is dear to their hearts. And so thank you so much for for volunteering to come and come and talk with us today. We're going to get into your work in a minute um, and uh, drawing on all this experience that you've had working with PhD researchers but we're going to start as we always do with you so can you tell us a bit about your story your story through your PhD and um, and where that led you sure I think when I began my PhD um I thought uh, I thought I knew what I was doing <laughs> um, yes. and uh, it didn't take me very long uh, to find out that I didn't know what I was doing <laughs> And at first, that not knowing what I was doing was uneasy and uncomfortable, yes. and I felt a bit embarrassed uh, yes. about not knowing what I was doing. Yes. But luckily, I had a research supervisor who said to me, not knowing what you're doing is actually a part of the lived experience um, of doing research. So you won't find it in the journals, you won't find it in the manuals, um, but actually, um, you know, even once you become an accomplished researcher, uh, they're still dealing with the uncertainty and unknown uh, in in what you're doing. So so that helped me uh, very much, and it kind of uh, it kind of enabled me to turn uh, a potentially negative. Uh, self-doubt into a positive opportunity for learning experientially. And uh, again, in retrospect, when I look back on it, um, I had a little framework uh, that I took from the painting uh, to the the paintings of Vincent van Gogh uh, Mm -hmm. and the way he described how he does art. And he says, you know, first he has an intuition. Then he has... uh, uh, a rough sketch. Uh, then the sketch be- begins to turn into uh, a more detailed uh, uh, sketch, and then it begins to turn into a painting. And so they're kind of these iterations uh, on the way to becoming a researcher, which I found very helpful because what they said to me is actually going in circles is part of the process of doing research. Even though um, research uh, outcomes in in terms of theses and articles are written uh, in a linear way, from the introduction through the body uh, to the conclusion, actually the process of writing it up um, is not as clear and linear uh, as that. 
And it does mean going around in circles. And luckily, having a background in hermeneutic uh, philosophy, um, I saw those circles as kind of deepening uh, the issue, deepening, gaining clarity, uh, gaining more detail uh, about the, the concerns uh, that I was working with. And so it was embracing the confusion uh, of research, making it clear that confusion is a part of research um, and that it actually, and still in my experience, uh, when I do research, I still get confused. Um, and that's part of the challenge uh, is, is working with rather than against uh, that uncertainty. I love this so much. I love it because it just goes straight to the heart of it. And and as you say, so many people say, oh, but I'm just going round and round in circles. And that answer of like, yes, then you're doing it right. <laughs> if you're going round and round in circles, then you are absolutely in that research process. I love it. I love it. I also just yeah. want to ask you, just in case there's people who, who are not sure about hermeneutics, if you could just, <laughs> this is a ridiculous yeah. question. In, yes. in, a, in a minute or so, Stephen, can you just explain to us hermeneutics? <laughs> Um, so so uh, hermeneutics um, is all about the relationship between the parts and the whole. Mm. And I often think of it as a puzzle. You know, a puzzle can't be done in a linear way. Um, you start putting the parts of the puzzle together and it's scattered all over the place. Uh, and then you start to get a, a vision of the whole. And as you get the vision of the whole, you're able to more and more put the parts uh, into place in relation to the whole. So hermeneutics is that art of putting the parts and the puzzle uh, of a thesis or research uh, into into whole, into a whole. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. And um, and hooray to your research supervisor for recognizing that, naming it for you, and allowing you to see this process. Um, Absolutely. We always love to give a shout out to the to the to the helpers out there. Um, yeah. So this was your experience then on your PhD. So you had a kind of sense of a of a of a of an understanding of that. And since then, you've gone on to develop a kind of framework, a more developed framework from novice to expert. Um, yeah. Tell us, tell us about that. Um, so, so. I guess the whole idea of most research training is that it, it deals with the technical mm. dimensions mm. Um, of research and the conceptual abstract, but it doesn't actually deal with the experiential uh, dimensions. Yeah. And the whole idea behind novice to expert is that as a novice, no matter how much theoretical knowledge you have, it's not enough to substitute for learning through experience. And so uh, being a novice is accepting that you're going to learn uh, through experience. Mm -hmm. I often compare it uh, to driving a car. You know, you can't learn to drive a car by following the manual uh, for driving a car. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can, you can get an abstract knowledge uh, of what's involved, but it's usually stated in a linear kind of format. You know, first you do this, then you do that, then you do that. And so it, it appears to have a linear structure. But actually, when you are sitting behind the steering wheel of a car, 
for the first time, um, it's not one thing at a time you're doing. You're kind of being challenged to do several things simultaneously. So you've got to have your foot on the accelerator, um, your foot on the clutch, you're holding the steering wheel, um, you're looking uh, to see where you are in relation to other cars, you're noticing the speed that you're going. So it's actually quite a complex activity. Mm. Um, And uh, so I I think being a novice is something like this. You know, um, uh, you've got all these things to coordinate, but you don't yet have the sense of poise or you don't yet have the sense of balance uh, between the different uh, parts. And so, so the thing about a novice is, again, no matter how much conceptual knowledge they are, they are emotionally um, and existentially unfamiliar uh, with the world in which they are going. Mm-hmm. You know, just like going to a new city or country for the first time, mm-hmm. you existentially uh, uh, unfamiliar with what you're in. And so, the whole thing about a novice is that they're unfamiliar. Um, they're emotionally, psychologically, existentially unfamiliar. So, first of all, it's really uh, helpful if a novice can recognize that they are novice. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think what often happens in research programs is people go into this experience of not knowing what to do, but they also like to try and hide it yes. uh, because they're not supposed to not know what to do. Yes. Um, and so then we get the so-called imposter syndrome um, and people feel they're busking uh, in what they're doing and they're putting on a face of kind of, uh, um, you know, showing that they know what they're doing when uh, really underneath they in states of uh, uncertainty uh, and uh, even anxiety uh, in, in some cases. Um, and so... For, for for a novice to accept their novice um, allows them to turn this experience uh, of being new uh, to research or new uh, early start career researcher, um, it, it allows them to turn that into the opportunity for curiosity um, about what they're doing. So yes. it's moving from a defensive it's moving from a defensive response to saying, I'm curious about myself becoming a researcher. This is interesting. I'm in the process of becoming a researcher. And this is part of what a researcher, this is part of what the experience of becoming a researcher uh, involves. Um, and so it's kind of curiosity at what's emerging out of yourself as you face the challenges um, of uh, doing research, because um, we we don't really know who we are as researchers uh, until we actually conduct research. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we only develop our research way of being, if I can call that. We, yes. we, only, de- we, we only develop our research way of being as we leap uh, into the research journey. Um, and so I think that's the second point that's important for a novice, um, is a novice kind of uh, leaps into the research. Uh, becoming a researcher is an existential risk. 
And an existential risk is the risk of you don't know what you're doing in advance of doing it. Um, it's even, I sometimes compare it to riding a bicycle for the first time. You can have all the abstract rules of riding, but to ride, you actually have to take a risk. You have to leap onto the bicycle um, and uh, you won't get the poise and the balance uh, initially and you'll wobble and, and you might even fall off the bicycle. Um, but it's as you kind of uh, embrace embrace that risk of falling off the bicycle that the that the world of bicycle riding uh, opens up to you. Uh, and I think it's the same with research. Uh, it's one needs to be able to um, embrace the risks, the, the wrong turns, uh, the not knowing where you're going, uh, the self-doubts uh, along the way. Um, these are, are, are uh, to my mind, uh, an inter and uh, they are part of the process of being a novice. Mm -hmm. A novice has an a novice has an uncertainty, a, a risk, an unfamiliarity, uh, even an anxiety um, about uh, uh, what they're doing. And those anxieties and uncertainties are not what I'd call psychological uncertainties. They are. It, uncertainties that belong to the process of becoming a researcher, you know. So, so there's so so it's not to say that there aren't psychological uncertainties, but there's also a set of uncertainties that are an intricate part of becoming uh, a researcher through going through the novice phases of uncertainty. Those uncertainties can turn into uh, psycho psychological anxieties, depending on how we deal with those uncertainties. So again, some of us might get very defensive and threatened, and we might want to run away and say, I can't do this, I'm not doing this, I I'm not good enough, and so on. And those can move into psychological uh, uh, anxieties. But a lot of those are also part of the research process. And the more I think that supervisors are able to uh, articulate that for, for, for research candidates, the more that you actually are able to turn uncertainty into an, a, a questioning process. Um, because uh, existentially, um, uncertainty is the emotional basis of questioning. From an existential perspective, we question when we are in uncertainty, when we are not sure um, of, of what we're doing. Um, and that to me is part of a central part of being in the novice phase um, and then um, working towards overcoming uh, the, the novice phase of being a researcher. So, so in that journey uh, towards becoming, to going beyond the novice, um, there's also um, a tendency of uh, new researchers with their insecurity to try and follow the rules of doing research. So I remember uh, uh, there was a time in which I was a uh, uh, high degrees director of uh, higher degrees research. 
Um, and many of the students would do the first year of uh, research, which was a program, and it was divided, I think, into four parts, one on research questions, uh, one on literature review, one on uh, uh, data, uh, and so on. Um, and so the, the students kind of learnt uh, a, a little bit uh, about the process of research. But when they came to the actual thesis part of the research, they were looking to they were looking to these uh, almost uh, formulas that they'd been given uh, in the uh, the first year to direct them, and so they were very conscious um, of what they were doing. They were more kind of aware of themselves doing research than they actually were doing research, uh, if that makes sense. You know, they it were does. too busy watching. They were too busy seeing, am I doing the right thing? Yes. Am I following the right procedure? And that's that's at a step removed uh, from research. Um, so the kind of uh, phase here is to be able to let go of the need for the rules um, of research, to let go and kind of plunge uh, into uh, into the research. I love this sense of actually being being the novice, being the researcher, that, that kind of coming into research, that you can yeah. jump in and that it is this sense of, well, I love the metaphors of motion that you're using because it is that sense of you don't have to put the brakes on. <laughs> you you yeah. can kind of, because I think a lot of um PhD researchers have that kind of accelerator break experience. I want to go forward, but oh, I'm now I'm not sure. And I, and yeah. I hear what you're saying is actually, yeah, just don't put the brakes on, just be kind of go in, um, go all yeah. in. Um, and yeah. I, I think this this sense of 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 potential freedom in there, um, and that this uns- I, what I love what you're saying as well about this uncertainty that you're feeling. To let it be generative, let it be a generative phase in the work because it, as you say, it brings about curiosity and it brings about new discoveries because you're not certain. If you're not certain, you're looking out. I love it. I love it. Um, and you're talking okay. about the the novice phase, but then you this is from novice to expert. So people are moving through different phases as a researcher. So I wonder if you could say a little bit about kind of where where you might get to at that other end on that journey. So- so in general, there are five phases, but I think it, uh, um, I'll, I'll deal with three phases. Um, and the, uh, the middle phase is what's called practical coping. So, um, you know, in, in the middle phase, um, you're starting to develop your competence as a researcher, and you're starting to de- develop your confidence um, as a researcher. So you're getting a sense um, of, of what uh, to do. Um, and you're starting to be able to, even if just looking at your own thesis, you're starting to be able to get a sense of the relationship between uh, the parts and the whole um, of the thesis. It's not yet fully emerged, but you can kind of almost see some light on the horizon mm. there. Um, and so you've de- you've developed embodied practices Um of knowing how to do research, not just intellectual practices, but really felt deeply emotional 
sense um, of, uh, uh, I call it research feel, you're developing your research feel um, uh, at this stage. Um, and so that's, you, you're beginning to cope. Uh, and so that's why it's called uh, practical coping. Mm. Um, but there's still a sense of awareness of kind of, you know, what am I doing? Uh, all these questions are not yet answered. Mm. When we come to the expert phase, um, uh, ironically or perhaps, I don't know, counterintuitively, the expert uh, is someone uh, who's developed an almost completely intuitive understanding of research. They generally don't need to think about how to go about doing research. They just know how to go about research. So the the novice had to keep thinking about doing research the whole time. The expert in research uh, just knows what to do, um, and they can navigate complexities. They can see opportunities uh, where, I mean, I often compare it to, you know, sports. Uh, a, a good football player uh, will be able to spot the gaps where kind of the the average football player wouldn't see the gaps on the field, you know. And so the kind of expert researcher can uh, see the gaps. They can do several things uh, at the same time. They can understand the relationship between the parts and the whole um, of the jigsaw uh, puzzle. And it doesn't mean that they don't have uncertainty. I, I still, when I'm writing and reading, I still have a lot of uncertainty uh, in in what I'm doing. Um, and part of me is kind of edgy to just push it out of the way. Um, but uh, 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 and another bigger part of me is say, okay, stay with the uncertainty. Mm. What is the uncertainty telling you, mm. you know? Um, is it telling you that you've left out something somewhere uh, and you haven't attended to it uh, uh, properly, so it, it, that 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 uncertainty becomes a kind of opportunity for scanning uh, my work and uh, for for thinking about my work in non deliberative ways, uh, if I can put it like that. Absolutely. And so, and so the expert is kind of riding the bicycle; they're driving the car. They don't have to think about driving the car. They don't have to think about uh, riding the bicycle. And more than that, they're developing their own style uh, in what they're doing. You know, so I'll drive in this way, you'll drive in that way. I'll do research in this way, you'll do research in that way. And so that's kind of all about developing your research voice, your research confidence, your confidence in your competence uh, as a researcher, and your ability to be playful um, as a researcher. I think in the early days, because of the uncertainty and anxiety, we tend to be too serious uh, about the research. But as our confidence and competence grows uh, with our material, um, and then it's fun. I've, yes. I've, I've coined a term. I call it I've, I've call it excitement. Um, and excitement is a combination of anxiety <laughs> and excitement. I and I it. think that's what research. That's what research is for me. There's anxiety, it's exciting, but it's also uncertain. 
at the yes, same time. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and that's what keeps us in it, right? Because it is playful and because it is joyful and because it is um, exciting and anxiety. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love that. I love that. And I, I love this kind of call to trust your intuition and to become your own researcher, whatever that yeah. whatever that means for you with your own values, with your own ways of working, um, with your own sense of fun that you that you bring yeah. into it. Oh, I love it yeah. so much. It, and I I know that you've been working with people on on this um kind of yeah. process um yeah. and sharing the the discoveries that they that they have had um which of course is unique to each individual which is so yeah. beautiful to see people blossoming into being the researcher that they're meant to be. Absolutely. Um, which I think is very different to what people think they're going to happen. <laughs> I say, yeah. I always say, you know, the PhD is a personal development program and you get a thesis as a bonus. That is what is going on, isn't it? This sense of. I, I, I totally agree with that. I, I think it's a personal development. I think it's a process of becoming yes, a researcher. Yes. It's, it's almost like self-actualizing. Yes. Uh, yourself as a researcher yes you know it absolutely is and that's the truly beautiful gift of being a phd researcher this opportunity to become become more you and share that with the world um yes. Stephen, thank you so much um and we will sure. have details in the in the show notes where people can find out more about what you do because it is awesome and um also, just as a side note, I think you should get your own podcast because your voice is amazing and I could listen to it all day. Um, oh. <laughs> so, so, but before yeah. we go, before we go, I yeah. always ask a very unfair question in terms of it's truly reductive in terms of giving a top tip. But do you have, if people are kind of, if people can recognise that novice part in themselves or even recognise the excitement in themselves, do you have any top tips that people could sort of take away from today? Um, so I, I think that for me, the top tip would be around uh, learning to listen to your uncertainty. Mm. Um, uh, get away from those old attitudes to uncertainty that it's a bad. Um, actually, your uncertainty is a is a voice that's telling you something. Listen yes. to that voice. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Listen to yourself. And this is the thing, isn't it? I think we, as you say, at the beginning, people wanted to, you know, to follow the rules and get it right. And people then are more likely to listen to other people than they are to listen to themselves. Um, and actually listening to yourself, you will find out all sorts of amazing things. <laughs> listen to yourself. Oh, um, yeah. Stephen, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. Um it's amazing work that you're doing. And thank you very much, Emma. I really appreciate this opportunity. Oh, um, and thank you all for listening. 